The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson with you on a Friday. Although this Friday seems different than most Fridays. Seems like, I don't know, uh, just a very weird week, you know, with the holiday, uh, Christmas Eve in the mix there as well. A lot of people taking it a little bit more easy this week. I hope that you've had that chance. But um, still a lot of the fun things to discuss here on the Full Court Press. We'll get into the Utah Jazz, their big game on national TV last night. Was it a statement game for the Jazz? Did uh, some stars emerge in that one? And what did you think about the the introduction of Jordan Clarkson, who got minutes last night for the Utah Jazz with some bench help. Um, I'll also discuss what's going on with Utah State basketball. They've got a game coming up tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon, against Eastern Oregon. What do we know about Eastern Oregon? Uh, and uh, more, uh, more, maybe more importantly, who will or won't play for Utah State in this matchup Saturday afternoon in their last non-conference uh, matchup before they get into conference play next week. Uh, we'll also get into uh, what's going on with the bowl games right now. Bowl season continues on. Some real big ones get going uh, later on tonight. Uh, I think it's we really are now starting to get into the real meat and potatoes of the bowl season. We've had some games here and there. Some have been interesting. Most of them haven't. But uh, we've got some really interesting matchups on the schedule Tonight and into tomorrow, will the games themselves be as interesting as the hype surrounding them? So we'll look at that. And the NFL games, the last week of the regular season for the NFL, what's on the line and uh, who's playing where. And maybe some players won't be playing in these matchups because their future is secure for what happens next, uh, good, bad, or others. So uh, looking at that uh, and some old faces returning to some familiar NFL teams. So a lot of different things that we're going to have on the agenda today. And uh, these are some of the things that we'll get into. Also, uh, a little bit the next hour, a little bit later on in the show, for our Friday Five Best. We want to get into what were the five best local sports stories? What stories stood out to you in 2019? And put your thinking caps on and love to hear your thoughts on that. I uh, put some things out on Twitter earlier today. I've had some interesting responses. They m- mostly mirror some of the things that I had already put down, but would love to get your thoughts on that as well. You have a chance to weigh in. You can you can call in and share your thoughts about what you think some of the top sports stories were for the past year, or you can uh, reply on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, follow me at efranson. That's E-F-R-A-N-D-S-E-N. Or you can text in. We've got their new text line number that you, uh, if you don't want to call in, you don't, you're not doing the Twitter, but you want to still send in a message, you can do so by texting us at 435-339-0321. And we'd love to get your thoughts about what were some of the biggest sports stories of the past year. In fact, you can start sending those in right now, and then we'll share your thoughts next hour. So... Uh, that's going to be part of our Friday Five Best. And honestly, I had a hard time narrowing it down to only five. There's quite a few honorable mentions that I want to get to. But um, I think 
Some of them, I think we can all agree, were some of the top stories. And maybe there's a few that you weren't aware of uh, that uh, are definitely worth mentioning. So stay tuned for that coming up next hour. And again, love to hear your thoughts um, and to share those with us via text, 435-339-0321. Or any other thoughts about the things we're going to be talking about, Utah Jazz, Utah State, bowl season, all of that that we'll be covering you're more than welcome to share uh, your thoughts and opinions uh, about uh, some of those things that are going on. So uh, first and foremost, uh, Ajay, he's not here in studio with me right now. He's up meeting with Utah State head coach Craig Smith. He's doing a press conference right now, meeting with the media ahead of tomorrow's basketball game. Maybe even some thoughts about what next week could look like for the Aggies as they have a New Year's Day game in Las Vegas against uh, the Rebels. Uh, and then a really big showdown after that uh, with uh, San Diego State. But uh, tomorrow it's the focus on Eastern Oregon. And uh, will Namish Keta play? Will Sam Merrill play? Will any other Aggie players not play? Um, so that uh, we'll find out a little bit more a little bit later on uh, this hour as he is meeting with the media as we speak. So when he comes back, we'll have a, an extended conversation about Utah State basketball. But uh, first and foremost, I want to get into the Utah Jazz game last night. Did you get a chance to uh, check in on that? It was a little bit later game. Uh, game was in Salt Lake City. Didn't start until 8.30, so it was the evening game, the late-night game, part of the TNT doubleheader. Now, I always liked the way that uh, they put those games together. It was a great broadcast crew, a very exciting game. Utah Jazz were, were blowing things open. And then the Portland Trailblazers started to get hot, especially in the tail end of the third quarter and really mostly of the the, uh, fourth quarter. Uh, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum just were hitting three-point shots left and right. Everybody was making shots and uh, made it a a really tight ball game. But uh, we talked about this uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago, where the Jazz were in these close games against some lower – lower teams, if you want to call them that. Teams that were not really with great records. The Jazz had this East Coast road trip. They had some other teams on their schedule that really weren't that great. And they weren't blowing these teams out, but they were uh, coming back from being down. They were finding ways to win. And while we were maybe a little disappointed that they weren't blowing these teams out that that they were playing, the thing that uh, I took away from it was, hey, at least they're finding out a way to win close games and gain confidence that they know how to close out something that uh, against another opponent. And I think that paid off. We saw that last night. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers have been, I don't want to say that they've been one of the hottest teams in the NBA, but they have been surging. They've been playing a lot better. Since they brought on Carmelo Anthony, they've been a little bit better team. They have found some offense and some confidence. And uh, they had won four in a row before losing on December 23rd. They'd won six of the last 10 going into the game against the Jazz. So they were a team that was playing some pretty good basketball heading into Salt Lake City last night. And I I thought a couple of things really stood out to me for how the Jazz responded and then how they closed it out. Uh, But first, the thing that jumps out to me early on is Joe Ingles in the starting lineup. He is such a different player in the starting lineup than what we've seen coming off the bench. I think we're going to see that continue. I don't know how Quinn Snyder keeps him from being a starter 
He just is more comfortable. He's more in the flow. He's hitting more shots. He's more of a distributor when he's in the starting lineup. Uh, there was a, understandably some hope and a belief that perhaps he could take those same skills and lead the bench uh, in uh, doing those kinds of things so that there's not that much of a drop-off when a starter goes out and Joe Ingles comes in. But he he wasn't. It just It wasn't quite the same. He wasn't as effective. And uh, we've seen lately, as he's been inserted into the starting lineup with Mike Connolly's absence, he has been more effective. The, the starters have been more effective. There's been more activity going on. So I, And he was just incredible that first quarter. Guy was making shots left and right. So, And then he also made some great passes and was doing some things throughout the game that I thought really, really helped the Jazz. Yes, there were some times we got blown by a little bit on defense, but you know, generally speaking, Joe Ingles I thought was fantastic, uh, especially early. I mean, six for ten from three-point range. Uh, five rebounds, four assists, and a steal. So, uh, good performance by Joe Ingles uh, there for the Utah Jazz, especially early on providing that uh, offense. Um, and then uh, in accounting for 26 points. So, huge scoring for Joe. And granted, that's not every night he's going to do that. But um, I think things seem to be go better with the way the Jazz are, are running things when he is a starter. Um, and then we saw the first guy off the bench. We saw Jordan Clarkson. And get in there and get some quality minutes for the Jazz. Uh, he played 21 minutes for Utah. Um, he was only four for 12, so he put up quite a few shots and didn't make all of them. But he still added nine points off the bench. Had a steal. Uh, he had a hockey assist. Uh, won't go down officially as an assist, but um, I thought that he was active. He had uh, some interesting shot selection that he was able to do to create shots and, and get points. Uh, yes, defensively. Maybe not that great, but he's got to learn the new system for Quinn Snyder. He's not known to be a defensive guy anyway, but we'll see if uh, if Quinn Snyder can squeeze a little bit of defense out of him with what they're asking for. But he provided some offense off the bench, which, as we've talked about, has been sorely lacking. And he uh, was able, if you're in a crunch and you need somebody to be able to create a shot, uh, he was able to do that. I thought George Nyang provided some quality minutes as well. A decent uh, defensive effort at times, um, and then uh, was able to make some shots and to uh, get to the boards uh, a little bit. But the other thing that stands out to me, and this has happened later in the game for the Utah Jazz, um, just the the play of of Donovan Mitchell in the second half. I think this this was a game for me watching this that. On national television against a couple other guards that were on fire, Donovan Mitchell cemented, well, should have cemented uh, the the idea that this is an all-star player. Uh, I, I thought the way that he closed out the second half, the way he was playing, making shots, getting to the rim, he was owning the paint as a guard. He was getting into the hole and uh, making shots, and uh, he was also a facilitator. He had seven assists on the night. So uh, I really was impressed with what Donovan Mitchell was doing in the second half, and he's been a tremendous closer for Utah, and that's been one of his staples, is playing particularly well later in the game. And we've seen Jazz teams in the past where there have been guys who have been reluctant to be a closer, to be clutch, 
They start to clam up a little bit. They defer to others. Donovan Mitchell has not been that kind of a guy. He plays well. Now, he didn't sit very much. He still played 38 minutes, uh, which that hopefully with the bench play coming along, hopefully with the Mike Connolly, when he returns from injury, that won't be necessary to, for him to, pl- to play so many minutes. But he, uh, he was playing fantastic uh, for, uh, for the Jets, especially late in the game and, and throughout that uh, second half when the Jazz were making their, their, uh, their surge and then also holding off uh, Portland when they had their surge going on. So I thought Donovan Mitchell really stood out. And then finally, the play of Rudy Gobert. Just really, really active. He's been playing on another level lately. Another night where he had double-digit rebounds, 15 rebounds on the night, 16 points. He's been playing elite-level basketball lately, and uh, he had two assists. He's only credited with one block, and that was that incredible block late in the game. Uh, C.J. McCollum, I mean, it's a tight game. Uh, Portland still has a chance to be in it to, to try to take the win. And uh, he just swatted McCollum late in the game. But he also had that save. The ball was going out of bounds. He leaps out of bounds, taps it over to Boyan Bogdanovich. The ball gets, uh, you know, eventually finds its way into the hoop on that possession to keep the Jazz just one step ahead of Portland. Uh, his play was phenomenal. The, the closeout to, out of the three-point line, uh, Carmelo Anthony gets the ball. He's trying to put up a three-point shot. And uh, he just stood up straight. He didn't foul him. I've seen the review multiple times. I've seen it in slow motion. I watched it again in real time today and in slow motion again today. He didn't foul him. Carmelo Anthony hopping up and down like he got fouled. No, Carmelo Anthony just had to jump higher and release higher than he normally likes to. And his body was in uncomfortable position. And he just came down weird. And so he's trying to claim that Rudy fouled him. But it was just a bad shot by Carmelo and great defense by Rudy. So a tremendous, tremendous effort by Rudy Gobert uh, late in the game uh, defensively with those uh, with that big uh, block, uh, the tremendous rebounds, very active, saving the ball, keeping it in bounds, and uh, keeping his, this Jazz team in, in an important spot to be able to win the game. Now, before the game, one of the storylines that was going on was uh, Damian Lillard. They were asking him about... Um, you know, defensive player. Uh, they're talking about uh, you know Hassan Whiteside. If he's a, a better defender than Rudy Gobert or not, and and uh, basically Lillard said that Whiteside was the better defensive guy, and he deserves to be in consideration for defensive player of the year. He, that would he would get his vote. I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, after the game, Rudy Gobert was asked about that, and Rudy said, "Well, if he was that great." then why wasn't he in late in the game? They should have left him in late in the game. <laughs> and he wasn't. Uh, Hassan Whiteside had an okay game. Was six rebounds. He had assists and a block. Uh, eight points. But on the plus minus, he was negative 28. Rudy Gobert owned him, I felt like. He just he played much better uh, than Hassan Whiteside did. Hassan Whiteside didn't really help his team nearly as much as Rudy Gobert did. Uh, Rudy had a phenomenal night. Gobert was plus 13 by contrast. But really, the guy that we should be talking about more, we haven't been talking about enough, that uh, was the best in the plus minus, Royce O'Neal, who had seven rebounds, critical rebounds, four assists. He had hit a couple of uh, great three-point shots 
uh, and he was plus 20. Uh, you only had eight points on the night, but uh, again, his presence, his activity is really crucial uh, for the Jazz. So big win for Utah. Now they turn their focus to the Clippers and uh, have to take on uh, Los Angeles, and that game is going to be in Los Angeles. And uh, the Utah Jazz uh, having to turn their attention uh, to face a, a really good defensive team, be able to have that ball movement, and to see what they can do to continue to integrate to Jordan Clarkson into things, picking up the, the what the offensive skill set is, how it fits with the offensive play calling, the defensive play calling, everything like that. Now, when asked a little bit about integrating Jordan Clarkson into all of that, Quinn Snyder said that the team would look at what Jordan Clarkson is good at and fit and mold around him, which I thought was phenomenal. Instead of trying to say, we'll bring him along as he learns the system, Quinn Snyder says when he's in the game, we're going to fit our system to what he does best and what he he knows. So they they clearly that's a signal that they want him to be able to succeed right away, and they're going to set aside some of the things they normally try to do to or and, uh, that make it work for him. And certainly within the the realm of what they do and how they do it, they're not going to be dramatically different, but. Uh, utilizing Jordan Clarkson's skill set to help them uh, get some wins. So, a uh, big game coming up. It'll be tomorrow night. It's another late game. It'll be an 8.30 tip-off on Saturday. And we'll have pregame at 8.20 right here on The Fan and the Utah Jazz Radio Network uh, as they take on Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. And uh, so, this will be the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is the third time now that the Jazz will have played uh, the uh, the Clippers. Yeah, that's right, because they played them almost in really close to each other. They played them on October 30th. Jazz won that game pretty handily. There was no Paul George or Kawhi Leonard in that game. And then on November 3rd, it was a little bit different story there. The Clippers won that one, 105-94. to Then there's been a big, pretty good break in between those games. They'll face each other again. Uh, tomorrow night, Clippers uh, are still they're, they're doing well. They are the in the uh, in the standings. They're the third number three team in the uh, in the Western Conference uh, behind the the Lakers and the Nuggets. They're twenty three and ten on the year, and uh, they've won seven of their last ten. Uh, Where the the Jazz are still about um, uh, sixth in the rankings, but. Uh, looking at the Clippers of those last 10 games, it's uh, kind of been back and forth and back and forth. Uh, more lately, they lost at the Bulls, then they beat the Suns, then they lost versus the Rockets, then they beat the Spurs in San Antonio. They went to Oklahoma City, and then they lost. Then they played the Lakers, and they won. So they have won and lost every other game over the last six games. So they're on track if they keep that pattern up. To lose, so uh, we'll see. The Jazz can you know, hold them uh, to that uh, current pattern that they're in uh, right now. But speaking of the the Clippers, uh, news today: Kawhi Leonard, he has been named the top AP male athlete for 2019. It's uh, an honor and a recognition that uh, has only happened a handful of times for an NBA player, um, and so uh, it's only been five other NBA players received that recognition. 
Um, but uh, he won that uh, pretty handily. Fifth NBA player to win the award. Others include Larry Bird back in 1986. Michael Jordan won it three times, 1991, 92, and 93. Uh, LeBron uh, James... Um, and so I guess he's the, the the fifth NBA player to do it, but there are other NBA players who have won it multiple times. To clarify that. So again, Larry Bird in '86, uh, Michael Jordan '91, '92, and '93. LeBron James has won it in '13, '16, and '18, and Steph Curry won it in 2015. Uh, but they've been handing this award out since 1931. You may have heard earlier this week that Simone Biles she was recognized as the uh, women's recipient. In 2019. So uh, they have to contend with Kawhi Leonard and uh, Paul George and the rest of a, a very aggressive um, defense from the uh, the Clippers. And the Clippers were down and it looked like the Lakers had full control in that game on Christmas and they totally came back and turned things on in the second half to come back to get that win with strong defense. Uh, especially in that fourth quarter. So Jazz are going to have their hands full, but the way that they've been playing a little bit more lately, uh, there's more ball movement. There seems to be uh, the the offense is certainly headed to a, 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 taking a, a notch up at a higher level. Jordan Clarkson off the bench helps with that, but uh, they're also giving up a lot more. Uh, they're not quite as, as stout defensively. Uh, with what's going on lately for the Utah Jazz. But Jazz are currently in sixth spot, sixth place in the Western Conference. They are a game and a half behind Dallas and uh, two games behind Houston for that number four spot, which would be uh, potentially home court advantage in the uh, NBA playoffs. But that's still a long ways away. So anyway, Jazz with the nice win over the Portland Trailblazers last night. And uh, it was fun to see how that team uh, was able to close things out, even though Portland... Give them a lot of credit for the shots that C.J. McCollum and uh, the Damian Lillard were making. There are a few other guys that were doing a great job for them as well. But uh, that Jazz team stepped it up and took care of business, winning that one 121-115. to 115. Um, So Jazz get the win, and uh, now they turn their attention to the Clippers, which will be, uh, again, Saturday night at 8.30. Uh, all right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, I'll update you on some of the other bowl games that are going on. We've had the game go final today. There's a few other interesting ones going on uh, later on today and really an interesting one involving the Mountain West later tonight. And uh, I think the real interesting part of the bowl season really starts to get going uh, tonight with this matchup and then really interesting ones going on tomorrow and uh, throughout the next couple of days. So we'll update you on all that coming up next right here on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson, Full Court Press rolling on on a Friday Talked about that Jazz win last night. It was a good one for the Jazz, especially the way they closed it out. Great defensive effort by Rudy Gobert. Just very active as well. That save out of bounds was huge. Kept the Jazz just one step ahead of Portland. Uh, Donovan Mitchell did some Carmelo hunting, which was so, which is always fun to watch. Even uh, Joe Ingles did a little bit of that. So <laughs> you know it's bad when Joe Ingles 
does mellow hunting and he still can't stop him. Uh, so that was fun. Um, great effort by the Jazz to close it out. It's great shots uh, selection by the Jazz. Uh, it's the three-point shooting for Utah last night was was really good. And we saw the, the, the debut of Jordan Clarkson in a Jazz uniform. Not a bad showing uh, for, for Clarkson. And uh, nine points. He did have a steal. Um, defensively, maybe not the, the greatest, but that's not what he's going to be called on to do. Yes, he needs to learn how to play defense in the Jazz system, but they're going to need him mostly for what he can provide offensively. So off the bench, getting a little bit more of a punch uh, off the bench. So big win for the Jazz. Now they turn their attention to the Clippers. A little bit later on today, here on the show, we'll get into Utah State versus Eastern Oregon. Uh, Coach Craig Smith has been meeting with the media. And uh, according to uh, Ajay, who looked, just left there, looks like uh, nothing serious on Namiash Keta with his knee. Um, probably won't play tomorrow. But uh, Kuba... We could see a little bit of Kuba. Don't know if he'll play tomorrow or not, but he could be close to rejoining the rest of his teammates on the court. He's been dressing, but he hasn't been on the court and playing with his team. We'll hear more from Coach Craig Smith a little bit later on as uh, Ajay was up there to get the audio of the press conference. So stay tuned for that. Um, Bowl games going on uh, throughout college football. Those are continuing, and a couple games have gone final game that's going on right now. It's been a close one. Michigan State and Wake Forest in the Pinstripe Bowl. Michigan State currently leads 27-21, to 21, just under five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And so uh, it'd be interesting to see Wake Forest pull this one off if they could and help kind of validate uh, what happened earlier in the season to the Aggies. Uh, but... Um, Again, that was one of those games that got away from Utah State, but currently Michigan State is in the lead and in control of this game, driving with the ball. Other game did go final earlier today. North Carolina handling Temple 55-13 to in the uh, Military Bowl. Uh, not a very exciting one there. North Carolina had control of that one pretty much from the start. Um, and Then uh, other games going on tonight. You've got Oklahoma State and Texas A&M in the Academy Sports Outdoors Texas Bowl. Some of these names. Uh, that game's on ESPN at 445. Then uh, at 6 o'clock on Fox Sports uh, 1, FS1, uh, number 22 USC and number 16 Iowa. This one could be interesting. This is the Holiday Bowl. Uh, USC uh, started out uh, with lots of struggles. I mean, they, they lost to BYU. There was... A lot of people call for Coach Clay Helton to uh, be fired, but then they kind of turn things around. They beat Utah. They, they finish out the season uh, pretty strong, and they climb into the top 25 rankings at number 22. Iowa, another team that's had a few ups and downs, but overall had a really solid season of their own. So that could be a really interesting game in San Diego a little bit later on tonight. That's 6 o'clock on FS1. And then the late game tonight, which I think is going to be fascinating. I don't know if you can get so different in styles. Two offensive styles that are so divergent from each other. Air Force and Washington State. One's all on the ground. The other is all in the air. And so which style is going to play out and win this game? 
That's going to be 8.15 tonight on ESPN. It's the Cheez-It Bowl. That's uh, down there in uh, in Arizona, played on Chase Field. And that's where uh, the, the Diamondbacks play. So that one could be interesting. Um, I, I just so different, the, the styles. Air Force is 10-2. and two. They are the top 25 in the AP and the coaches. They didn't make the college football playoff top 25, but they are in the uh, AP and coaches polls in the top 25, 10-2 season. Washington State finished the year 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Air Force is favored by 2.5 in this one. I hope that Air Force wins. Uh, that's what my heart says, but I actually think Washington State might get this one. And I, I'm probably going to be proven very wrong on this. Uh, Air Force is not only known for how well they do with their run game, but they are also been playing a very physical, aggressive style of defense. And if Washington State can't get their rhythm going in their passing game, Air Force is going to chew up clock, chew up yards, and befuddle uh, Mike Leach and his Cougars. Um, but um, I, I just I think that that passing game for Washington State will keep them in it because they can if they do get down they can get back into it quickly, and I think if they get some momentum going that'll be hard for Air Force to catch up. Um, so I, I think that could be a really fascinating game to uh, to tune into and to watch. So again, that's eight fifteen tonight on ESPN. Tomorrow I think there's some uh, interesting bowl games for sure. On the schedule, like I said, the, the bowl season really starts to pick up now. I think the the game tonight, well, two games tonight, I think actually really interesting, the uh, the Holiday Bowl and then the the Cheez It Bowl, and then tomorrow you've got Memphis. It's the uh, Group of Five representative that gets to go for a New Year's uh, bowl and big bowl opportunity. It's a Memphis versus Penn State in the Cotton Bowl, um, and then you've got. Uh, that's at uh, 10 a.m. on ESPN on ABC, also at 10 a.m. our time. Notre Dame and Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl. Uh, and uh, starting at 2 o'clock, college football playoff. The first round on ESPN starting at 2 o'clock, number four Oklahoma, number one LSU in the Peach Bowl. It's a semifinal. And then at 6, also on ESPN, that's uh, number three Clemson and number two Ohio State. Uh, Clemson is still favored by two, LSU by 13.5 in these games. And uh, a lot of it, talk has been on Ohio State and the type of season they've had. LSU and Oklahoma have all had uh, headlines for different reasons, but hardly anybody's been talking about Clemson. It still seems to be the case. But uh, Dabble Sweeney, great coach. He's been there before. He's won national championships. Uh, it could be a very, very interesting night in uh, in the uh, – Arizona and Glendale, where that game is being played for the Fiesta Bowl. Things pick up again on Monday. Uh, nothing on, on Sunday, but uh, on Monday, there are some interesting games. Uh, number nine, Florida versus number 24, Virginia. Uh, though Florida, my guess is they're favored by 14.5. I think they could cover. But Virginia with Bronco Mendenhall, you never know. and They could make it interesting. That'll be 6 o'clock on ESPN. And then on New Year's Eve, I uh, got some more interesting games there. Florida State, Arizona State might be somewhat interesting. Uh, Navy and Kansas State, uh, Wyoming's involved. They're in the Arizona Bowl taking on Georgia State. That's on CBS Sports Network at 2.30 on New Year's Eve. Uh, Utah plays 5.30 on ESPN against Texas in the Alamo Bowl. And then uh, New Year's Day, you got a bunch of other interesting games, and we'll get into those as we get a little bit closer. But... Uh, games tonight, definitely worth watching. 
and paying attention to, uh, especially the uh, the late one uh, this evening. But uh, the one before it could also be interesting on FS1 uh, with uh, USC and Iowa. Uh, but right now, it's just a few minutes to go, about three minutes left in this one. It's Michigan State driving. They are um, in the field goal range. And it looks like they may kick a field goal to get uh, take that up to a two-score uh, lead. But right now, it's 27-21. to 21, And um, we'll, we'll see what happens with Michigan State and Wake Forest because Wake still has some time on the clock with a little about over three minutes to go. All right, coming up next here in the Full Court Press, we'll also look at, uh, besides what's going on this weekend in college football, there's some interesting games on the schedule for the NFL and uh, some news in the NFL, some former players reuniting with the Seahawks. Is this just a walk down memory lane for old time's sake, or could this really work for the Seahawks? We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson, 1069 The Fan. Also streaming online, 1069thefan.com. And all of our past episodes, podcasts, wherever podcasts are found Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast. Just search Full Court Press or my name or AJ's name, Eric Franson or AJ Salveson, and you'll find our past shows. Uh, big win. Uh, like I said, uh, for the Jazz last night, they turned their attention to the uh, Clippers tomorrow. Uh, bowl games going on today. Really interesting ones later on this evening. Coming up next hour, we'll get into our Friday Five Best. The five best local sports stories of the past year. We'd love to get your thoughts on that. You can call us in when we get into that discussion. Uh, or feel free to text it in uh, beforehand, and we can include it. 435-339-0321. And uh, you know, lend your voice to what you think the the top uh, sports stories were of the past year. Uh, Ajay, you just joined us. He was up uh, meeting with Utah State basketball coaches ahead of tomorrow's uh, basketball game against Eastern Oregon. Ajay, thanks for uh, spending some time and pop it in. Yeah, sure. Sorry, I'm a little bit late. Uh, Coach Smith likes to likes to talk just a little bit, but he uh, he has some good stuff for us. And uh, we'll hear uh, from him next yeah, hour. I was gonna say we'll get into all that next hour and. Uh, He's 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 ready to go, and his kids are ready to go too. They're ready to play some basketball. Ajay, you don't look as formal as you did earlier today. That's because you made fun of me. No, you looked very nice. No, you very made fun formal. Of me. I, you, I thought you were like getting ready for a, a job interview or something. That was a compliment, and I don't appreciate it. No, <laughs> so you, you looked know what? very nice earlier today. I put on today. my jazz sweatshirt that was twenty bucks, and uh, came back and uh, dressed like a slob now. And I hope you like it. And it's your fault. Because today our roles were reversed. I was the one kind of in a sweatshirt and jeans. And wait, you're representing the fan. You got the nice little sweatshirt. At least I have on. a logo on. Yeah. Did you have two sweat? I know it's cold today. It's not that cold. <laughs> yeah, we sweating like back, crazy there, man. Back where I was sitting earlier today it was cold. I had a draft or something. <laughs> okay, so Ajay, I want to get your opinion on the before we get into USU basketball. Before we get into the NFL. Uh, I want to give you a chance to give your thoughts about what happened with the Utah Jazz last night. A really close game, 
National TV, good win for the Jazz. Is it? Is it a good win? Because we blew a 22-point lead. We like a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. Now, granted, like, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum got into that vintage Lillard and McCollum duo where they just, anything they throw up goes in, and they were hitting some of the toughest shots you could have asked for. Uh, but we blew a, another lead in the fourth quarter, and it had to come down to the wire again against the 12-17 and 17 basketball team. So is it a good win? I still say it is because Lillard, McCollum, those are still great players. Portland's a good program. They're turning things around. They've been much better lately than they were earlier in the year. Their record right now doesn't necessarily reflect the type of team that they are. Yeah, that's true. I, it, and I guess to an extent, as I watched them in the second half, I was like, because in the first half, like, man, yeah, you see why this team sucks so bad. In the second half, you're thinking, man, how are you 12 and 17? <laughs> Like it just it just flipped, man. And then like, like I said, like Namish Keta, no Namish Keta, Damian Lillard uh had some really tough shots that he hit. I mean, the one straight away on a three coming off a screen oh, in a crowd where he was of people still getting mugged. Yeah, like six guys and around he hit him. It, yeah. Yeah. It was just I mean, come on. What do you do? Uh I'll tell you what though, I'm glad that Carmelo was on our team. <laughs> Did you see somebody put that out there last night? The no. greatest jazz players to wear zero zero, and they listed some like you know Greg Oster tag. Oh yeah, Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson, right? and then they added Carmelo Anthony. On there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I, I I he's right though. I mean he's right. It's just you realize like like nobody wanted him, and you understand why. And you saw Donovan do some mellow hunting. You saw even oh, Joe dude. Ingles do some mellow yeah. hunting. Joe tagged him a couple of times, actually. Like he, <laughs> one time he came by and Carmelo was walking up, and I think it was, oh, who was it? It might have been, I can't remember who it was. Someone's going to come set a screen. And Joe just waves him off and just says, you know what? Give me this one. I'll take it. Uh, I knew what the best part of that game was is Kevin Harlan was calling it. Oh, I love dude, Kevin Harlan's just fun to listen to in a game like that. Yep, he's so good. I uh, I ate that up, man. That that was fun. That was I thought it was interesting. Uh, yesterday on on Twitter, David Locke was talking about how he loves to listen to Kevin Harlan. He is like the gold standard, hmm. and he's always recording Kevin Harlan's games to uh, to learn from him. Yeah, you know, actually, when I was doing when I was starting to get into play by play. I would record on uh, Westwood One uh, those those games, and uh, um, it was the Super Bowl. It was the NFL games because he was just so detailed. I mean, he you know you know uh, with the stance of the quarterback, you know you know left angled stance. He drops back, he throws, caught in the numbers, turns inside the numbers at the forty, gets to the forty three, steps out of bounds. I mean, it was just like holy crap! How do you call it that well? To call a football game in a play, just bam, bam, on top of everything. It was tight, as, as, as we like to say in radio, with the play calling, it was tight. And what that means is I, he was almost in sync with the play itself, step for step, which is really, really hard to do, by the way. Right. It's calling. He calls the plays. He doesn't narrate what's happening in the game. Yeah. And he's which, never unfortunately, behind. too many of young broadcasters are doing that. Yeah. They're just going to narrate what's going on. They're not calling Can't the do it. Can't do it. You won't get away with Especially it. Especially in radio. You yeah, you can't, can't get away that. with that. No. Uh, hey, by the way, Colin Coward, here in Salt Lake City, your twin, 
hanging out behind the bench uh, at the game last night. Colin Coward is my twin. Dude, you look just like him. It's crazy. <laughs> if he wore glasses? I mean, even without the glitter or without the glasses, he looks just like you. Kind of sounds like you, too. It's weird. No. Yeah, I'm not even joking. And he whines like you, too. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> he loves Salt Lake. I mean, he loves Utah. He does. He loves boy. to come to, especially Park City. Spends a lot of time there when he takes vacations. Yeah. yeah. And he's declared that many different times on social media. Now, I, was, I thought it was a good win for the Jazz. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, your impressions of him in Jazz Uni? Uh, you see, <laughs> there, there's there's uh, bright and dark sides with him. Uh, you see the bright sides, you don't be able to hit tough shots. There's no balance in the force with him? Jeez. Uh, oh, um, and then you see like the times where you're like, you are out of control. Like, just settle down, take a breath, you have the basketball in your hands, make a good decision here. Uh, and I mean, some of the shots he took were tough, and some of the shots he took were tough, and they didn't need to be. If he just, you know, goes straight up, it's an easier shot. But he he sometimes makes it a little bit too tough. He, he, but really, for his first game, his first game, just walking in, passing a physical. Here we go, put him in the fire. I thought he did really well. I really liked, uh, and I talked about this earlier. I liked what Quinn Snyder said that we're going to adapt our system to him to get make him comfortable. Rather than yeah. forcing him to try to learn, yeah. which is what you got to do. If we are as complex as as Snyder's defense and offense, that's what you got to do. I was kind of surprised we didn't see Tucker last night. Uh, yeah, me too. Especially when it was a big twenty point mm-hmm. lead that the Jazz you had. Get a few minutes in, but you now you find out why. because I mean he's going to have to go in there and guard Damian Lillard right off the bat. And I don't know if that's the best way to yeah. just throw the kid in the fire. Yeah, here you go. Good luck with that. <laughs> Here's a bottle of gasoline. Uh, by the way, on our pick six. Jordan Clarkson points in his Jazz debut. Yeah. set. I set the line at eight and a half. He had nine. I picked under. And you took over. Really? You took the over. I took the under. Huh. So, here you go. You already have one. And you'll lose to Sam Merrill. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, shoot. What was Sam Merrill's minutes? Uh, Sam Merrill minutes at 20 and a half. And he's playing tomorrow, by the way, You everybody. were just confident that he wouldn't even play, so you took the under. I took the over. Yeah. Um, that might backfire against me. <laughs> really, a lot, actually. <laughs> All right. So coming up next year in the Full Court Press, let's get into the NFL weekend. There's some big games on the schedule. We've got one that you're going to hear here on the fan. You've been hearing the promos for that. Uh, the, uh, the, the Raiders and the Broncos. Raiders still have a chance to make it to the playoffs. So we'll update you on what's on the schedule tomorrow, or on Sunday, excuse me, with the NFL in the final week of the regular season. And uh, next hour, we'll get into our Friday Five Best. What were the five best local sports stories of 2019? Whether you get your phone calls on that, 435-752-1069, or you can text in and let us know at 435-339-0321 what you thought were the top sports stories of 2019. All that's coming up on the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salveson, an update on college football bowl games. We talked about it earlier. Michigan was driving down. Had a chance for a pretty much a short field goal. And they missed it. Wake Forest had three minutes on the clock. 
a chance to, all I got to do is score a touchdown and they'll win. But the Michigan State defense came up big, held them out, and so Michigan State wins the New Era Pinstripe Bowl 27-21. to Yeah, that sucks. Air Force Washington tonight at 8-15. That's going to be a good one. I'm excited about that. Oklahoma State Cowboys texting in right now. That's just uh, getting ready for kickoff. USC Iowa is later tonight at 6. And North Carolina over Temple 55-13 in the military bowl. Ajay, this weekend in the NFL, there's some interesting matchups. Uh, some players may not play. It doesn't look like um, Lamar Jackson's going to play for the Ravens. He doesn't need to. They've clinched what they need and why risk anything. Uh, but as we've been talking about, the Raiders, they're playing the, the Broncos, and uh, Raiders have a chance to, to still get in. Yeah, they're not out of this yet, so they need they need to beat Denver. They need Baltimore to beat Pittsburgh. They need Houston to beat Tennessee. But ten- Houston looks like they might be sitting out Deshaun Watson and a couple other guys. Well, Tennessee is going to go full go on that one, it sounds like. Uh, and then they need one more, or they need Indianapolis to win as well. So they need uh, they need some help. But all that help is more likely to happen than the Raiders beating the Broncos. <laughs> How about that? Uh, Broncos are favored by a little bit, three and a half. <clears throat> In that one on Sunday. Uh, the other interesting games to kind of, I guess, pay attention to, Eagles at the Giants, not because that's overly exciting, but uh, just if the Eagles want to lock that up to be to win the division, they have to win that one. Cowboys uh, are, are hosting the Redskins. Uh, Redskins have been horrible, but that's a, a longstanding rivalry, which could be interesting. Uh, so there are some other games um that uh, still have some implications. Well, quite a few games that have implications. Uh, and then another one that could be really, really fun to, to, to tune into, you got two really good teams playing Sunday night, the 49ers and the Seahawks. Uh, Niners have had a great year. Seahawks have as well. Despite losing all of their running backs, Seahawks are bringing back Marshawn Lynch and Robert, Robert Turbin. Turbin. How about that? Yeah, good for them. A little bit of a reunion. That team's going to, and they're both available for the uh, playoffs too. Is that more of a callback to memory lane, or is it really a move that could help the Seahawks pick up some wins and still be relevant in the playoffs? No, it's going to help them. It's going to help them immensely because Russell Wilton is really good when he has a running game because then it opens up that play-action game. And when you have Marshawn Lynch, when you have Robert Turbin behind you, I mean, you're not going to sell out on an all-out blitz at Russell Wilton knowing that Marshawn Lynch standing behind you. I mean, there's just no way that you allow that to happen. It's going to keep defenses honest. That's a tough, tough team to have to beat. I'd hate to be a, one of the top C teams to have to face them if they can get through the wild card round. Yeah, but when was the last time Marshawn Lynch or even Robert Turbin were semi-relevant in the NFL? Yeah, it's been it's a while. It's been four or five years. But when you play for Pete Carroll in the Seahawks offense, it helps. I'm I mean, telling you, it's going to help. That's true. I mean, it's not like these are two guys that are walking into unfamiliar territory. They know the coaches. They know the system. They know the venues. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting move. I think if anything, which we've already been hearing reports, there's this huge shot of optimism in the locker room uh, on their uh, at their facilities. These guys are all excited to have. Oh, we got Marshawn Lynch. We got Robert Turbin. We know these guys. We had, this getting the gang back together. We had great success when these guys were with us. Hey, so what's the deal? If San Francisco loses, they drop to the five seed. If they win. I think they clinched the two seed. 
if I'm not mistaken. This is like the most, out of all the scenarios in football right now, I think this is the most confusing one of them all. Uh, if I remember right, though, they lose, they're a five seed. They win, they're a two seed, though. That's how wow. big of a difference this game will make. And that's sad when you have that kind of stuff going on with a team that's had as good a year as they've had. And I mean, then you've got Philadelphia or, team, or yep, Dallas that have exactly had crap right, seasons, Eric. very mediocre seasons. Exactly right. And one of them are going to win their division. It's a shame. Yep. It is a shame. It is. But that's just the nature of the Welcome to the NFC play this year. Yeah. yeah. AFC's been through that a couple of times, too. So this is, yeah, it's happened. <laughs> All right. Coming up next hour, we'll get into our Friday Five Best. What were the five best local sports stories of 2019? We had a couple teams win championships. We had some individual uh, recognitions, and uh, teams do awesome. So we want to get into that coming up next hour. I'd love to get your thoughts as well. Stay tuned. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. College football's Final Four is finally here. Feels like we've been waiting a while. There's a temptation to write off the first game, number one LSU versus number four Oklahoma. Ohio State and Clemson is the better matchup. There haven't been many upsets in the Final Four. It's usually Alabama or Clemson or maybe Ohio State. Oklahoma has had their chances in the Final Four, but the Sooners haven't won a title since 2000. Not many people are giving them a shot this time around. They seem to have a structural advantage being in the Big 12. They also have a stereotype of being a great offensive team under their coach Lincoln Riley, but not much on defense. Now Oklahoma has a chance to prove a lot of people wrong. Okay, maybe I'm trying to create a little bit of drama where it doesn't exist. Maybe LSU will roll over the Sooners and we'll have to hope for Ohio State Clemson being a great game. But we all know football is a funny sport. So here's hoping that both games in the Final Four provide plenty of opportunity this weekend. I'm Dan Patrick and this is Above the Noise.